Welcome to Talking During Movies, the and podcast. And so we literally, are we watching the... <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it'll play silently in the background. So I sent you that okay. link. Yeah, so just, there'll be some pop-ups that come with that link. Just click through those. Don't worry about it. And we'll hit play. Uh, I mean, I'm literally zero seconds in. Got the little wavy lines coming through. It's all queued up, ready to go. And okay. Just make sure, and just make sure the movie's on mute and we're golden. Okay, great. No worries. So, hey, welcome to Talking During Movies. This is uh, the podcast where we take moments and quotes from a film to drive our conversation. Let people get to know you, what you're doing, what's going on, how life is, and uh, really get this beautiful intersection of, of how art and life um, and movies influence us and uh, drive us and spur us into some interesting conversations. This is one that you chose. Uh, um, it has, in hindsight, great controversy at the time, was all just a bunch of rib tickling and fun. So uh, why don't you tell the people why you chose Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, as our movie to talk over? Well, you know, I have to, and thanks for having me. Um, now, what's, I have to admit this movie influenced how I do comedy, what I do in comedy, uh, my sensibility. Uh, I'm, I mean, Jim Carrey is one of my biggest influences. And yet this movie is so problematic from a, a trans perspective. Oh my God. Like, yeah. I remember when it dawned on me. <laughs> You know, I didn't think about it. And then I was in college and like uh, sort of getting more aware of things and thought about this and was like, holy shit, <laughs> oh my God. But, and so I think it's a really important thing to go back and look at it and re-examine instead of just like saying it's canceled. I'm not going to look at it at all. I'm going to actually like, we're going to look at this and we're going to like talk about it. We're going to face it head on. I love it. I love it. You know, I was, uh, I watched um, the Nutty Professor, the Eddie Murphy version with my daughter. And I didn't realize all the homophobic slurs. Are, yeah, yeah. Or how he treats women or, you know, and you're kind of cringing because even my daughter's, a, she's seven and she's aware. She's like, um, is that okay to talk to people that way? I, lo I love little kids now. They're like, old people are into that stuff. They're yeah. like, you're like, I remember a high school kid. I knew when things were changing when a high school kid looked at me, like a friend's kid and was like, 
I said something about like, you know, something about how, how are gay kids in your school treated? And, and he was like, I don't know. That's like what hiding them is like what old people do. I'm like, okay. I love it. I mean, we can learn a lot. I think, I think we can learn a lot from this new generation. I think we can teach them a lot to your point on cancel culture before we start the movie. You know, it's, it's interesting how it's picked and chosen who we're going to cancel and who we're not. Cause if we're going over real cancel culture, I mean, let's be frank. We first group we got to cancel is the Catholic church. They've destroyed cultures. They've raped kids. Uh, they've influenced monetary decisions globally and they've impacted elections globally. So if, I mean, if we're, if we're canceling things because you're shitty, that's kind of like the Mount Rushmore of shitty. Like there's the Catholic churches up there. I'm going to put yeah. Columbus. <laughs> yeah. You know, yep. um, are we canceling, uh, who are the, the Knights of the Knights of the Round Table, the Knights Templar? Are we canceling them as well? Yeah, you know, I am, you know, I had a great conversation with Loretta Ross. I, I don't mean to do a plug, but it was on my podcast to reconcile the No, no, but you, you're going to, we're, we're you, this is the next thing. Okay. We're going to do your plugs because okay. I want people to go to you. Because um, it's relevant here. And yeah. she talked, she's actually working on a book on cancel culture. And I felt so fortunate to talk to her. I got to read a chapter of the book before it's published. And she talked, she actually is an old school activist. She's been around forever, you know? And she would teach kids and she was like, all right, I'm seeing what you're doing and I'm gonna give you some historical perspective because of my experience as a civil rights activist for a very long time. So what she said a lot about it is like canceling was a real, a really good tool for people you couldn't reach. You know, that person who was in power and who would never, you can't get to them, you know, they're yeah. untouchable. That's a great tactic to use, but that's like the last resort. Like there's a lot of other things you can do be before that. So, you know, just rushing to cancel is, is a little bit, um, it's not really create, what is that doing? It's not really creating, creating, change like there's a lot so anyway so just like as a as anyone wants more on this topic this is such a great in-depth look about like what it what it means from someone who like has been around for a long time so i really took that opinion like really to heart because she's now, what's seen the name of your podcast what's, what's the name it's of your reconcile the aisle reconcile the aisle okay and on the social channels where uh, so there's and, and tell me the difference between reconcile aisle your podcast or how they're the same than the comedy that you do and what you've been doing on Instagram. Yeah, so- How people I mean, can that, find that. Yeah, so basically, Reconcile the Isle is my characters and I are figuring out how we can have a meaningful dialogue about difficult topics. And so it's, we were using comedy and humor to try to do something, um, try to do something productive with it. And a lot of my stuff comes from like, you know, from the heart, it's about, it's like deep pain I see in people in the world. And so this just kind of expands on it. It gives us like more, like, what do we do with that? <laughs> How do we create more conversation around the stuff in the world that isn't working and, and why it's so hard to talk about it right now? Nice. And then so, and they, so my characters actually yes. will interview some of them. So like, you know, Loretta totally, my Judy character came and she was like, totally dogged her. It was really funny. It was That's really, really funny. interesting. Yeah. Really interesting. Uh, Instagram, how do people, how can they find you? Best way? Yes. Yeah, so the best way to, you know, the best, I always tell people to, um, Lauren Logi. Lauren L-O-G-I is where, is my website and Instagram, Twitter join my tribe. You can do that on laurenlogi.com. 
um, because that's where I put all of the stuff. Like I just released a music video of Melania Trump, a voting rap, <laughs> my nice. Melania Trump impression. So, and I released that two weeks before I did anywhere else. So it's where I put discounts and other things. So I always say like, and I tell people stuff on there I wouldn't say on social. So go join my tribe. It's, it's a, like a nice tribe of really crazy people, all the artsy weirdo folks. I love it. I love it. And then um, <clears throat> with everything uh, that's, that's going on with, with you and what's happening and where you're at, especially with COVID and all this stuff, two questions and we'll start the movie here. One, how are you dealing with the state of where stand-up is at? And then two, give a plug, please, to a local restaurant, um, another comic, someone else that you love that they can, you know, that we can send other people to uh, if they're in your area, if it's a brewery or a coffee shop or whatever it may be that the listeners can go check out as well. Great. I love that. So um, I, I've been dealing by creating. That's that's how I've been dealing. Um, I, my book just came out inside Melania, what I know about Melania Trump by impersonating her. So <laughs> I'm working and we're doing like daily videos based on the themes of the book all on my social channels. Um, Flotus Official, we, we own that. Um, Instagram and TikTok. Yes, I actually own Flotus Official as well as anything else with Flotus in it and official. <laughs> I got them all. <laughs> you got them all, I like it. Let me hit play here. There's gonna be a pop-up and that's gonna yeah. do that. And then I'm gonna hit play so and there's gonna be another pop-up and that's gonna do that. And then it starts. I okay. got a little Warner Brothers logo. So as we are, um, this publisher doesn't, oh, what is going on? I just watched this movie on here the other day. This is what I love about the, the world that, that um, that we live in just nothing but beautiful chaos so what uh is there a um is there a local uh coffee shop or group that um yeah you know i'm actually a fellow comedian i'd love to give a shout out Please. um yeah mike he, he co-writes the flotus official account with me uh and we worked on the melania trump road show together uh we created that which obviously we put on tour but we will be doing the melania trump apology tour in the spring. So his name is Jesse Snedden. The apology and, tour. Yeah. So how do you, how does one, um, how do you get into this? How do you get into, I, I'm trying to figure out, you know, it's like impersonations. One, how do you know you're good at them? And then two, how do you get into them? I'm, I'm you know, I mean, especially someone that Honestly, no one knows, right? I mean, which is almost better, because um, then you can write their words, and it's fun because it's a question everyone has, and you're answering that question for them by doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, but to answer a question about how do you create them, I, I mean, I go into my process in Inside Melania, so mm -hmm. InsideMelania.com. So you can go there and um, and de I detail how I do it and what I found out by doing it. Now, I had original characters before this. I okay. didn't do impressions. And then okay. this came up and I did it and I was scared and I didn't know if yeah. I'd be good at it at all. But wow. everything I learned about creating original characters just helped me create an impression. I say, yeah, it's impression. You know, there's a thing and I didn't know this until I started this. There's a thing between like impersonation and impression. Impression is more of an angle. Impersonation is more of just trying to like copy what the person does. 
Um, honestly, tomato, tomato to me, but <laughs> I'm more of like, I'm kind of a hybrid. I'm different because I go for like finding out who the person really is. And then I have to create a unique spin on it, which is okay. an impression. So that's kind of how I do it. First I go and I find who the person is. And then I think about how do I make them funny? Do you, because, sorry, an angle. do you, um, because of, uh, your versatility and being able to do impressions and, and, uh, and just create uh, a scenario or a funny out of, out of, of a person. Does this give you more flexibility and more creative flow and functionality than let's say the traditional comic that is just a joke writer? Yeah, it does. And it's, it's like makes me different. I'll say that. Like I, I had these, at first I was like a little bit resistant to it. And then, you know, people, really good comics would be like, you do stand up as Melania. No one does that. Keep doing it. <laughs> really good people. And, and it was like, you know, the people who maybe were not really good were like a little bit like, ew, you're doing like a character. But that's what I do. And like someone told me, like a booker once told me, he's like, you know, I just want to have you on and you could just do your characters. And that's unusual. Usually people don't say that. And I was like, really? Why? He's like, because no one else does that. You're the only one. I mean, other people do characters, but like integrating it into stand-up, yeah. like being able to just get on stage and do that, it's not as common as just the average stand-up. So it does make me different. And like, like Jim Carrey, like, first of all, like what makes Jim Carrey genius is that he goes with what he's naturally good at. He's an amazing actor. He's an incredible actor, which he proved after this movie, like doing like more serious films. Mm -hmm. But he knows like what makes him funny is this like this physical uh, zaniness about himself. And he made this movie, which basically is that. So you just have to go with what you're good at. It's, it's yeah. interesting that, um, you know, we brought up cancel culture a little bit earlier. Jim Carrey's avoided this. Alec Baldwin's avoided this. I mean, Alec Baldwin called his daughter a fat little pig. And has said way worse than that. What is it? What is it in your mind that you think that allows someone to avoid cancel culture? And what is it that you think uh, opens the floodgates to getting shut down? I think Jim has been an outspoken critic and he's like more, his comedy's always been like on the edge. And so I don't know. I don't know. People just haven't caught up to, I don't know why. I don't know why, but I do know now he's like an incredible, um, his, he has like these, these pictures he, he draws, he's, he's into painting. I don't know if he's drawing them or painting them, but he makes them and he puts them out and they are very political in nature. I mean, he was one of the few people who said that, like who really came out hard with like Kathy Griffin has nothing to apologize for, for that picture, which I agree with. Mm -hmm. And he was like, he said it like with a smile, like she's got nothing to apologize for, <laughs> it's comedy. And um, he, because he is that, he just is that person who's on the edge that I think maybe he's escaped that. Yeah, he's, uh, he is, and it's, it's interesting, um, how he's kind of gotten beat up a little bit when he's taken serious roles. I mean, it seemed like there was a moment, right, where he could be the next Robin Williams for us, as far as great character actor, very, you know, he can do impressions, but he's also, he's just got this boldness about him. And then he did a couple serious roles as well, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, you know, Jim's washed up, or, and it, it, it's, he won't fall in line with what society wants him to do, and he just does his own thing, be damned. 
Pretty much. I mean, you got to see like Happy, um, his show. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Woo. That shows like the depth of him. Like he is the zany person. And then underneath is this well, this volcano. And yeah, I think, I don't I mean, for me, I admired when he did that. I was like, wow, he's an incredible actor. He just will do his own thing. He paints. I mean, he's just not, he's not going to be, he's going to, this is what makes him a star. He's just not the next anyone. He's just Jim Carrey. Yeah. What got you into stand-up comedy and doing um, impressions, for lack of a better term? Well, I mean, I'm, characters was something I always kept coming back to. And I think I was doing solo shows and like always more or less doing a character within those, like doing lots of characters, either one or several, or I played like Greta Garbo at different parts in her life. Um, you know, and I, a director told me, you just want to talk to the audience. I see it. You just want to talk to the audience. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of do. And then someone brought me to an open mic and I was like, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is what I'm built for. So yeah. what made you pick Melania Trump? Oh, she picked me. Oh, Jesus. I don't want this in my life. All right. So listen, I was doing a joke and then I got off the stage and the booker was like, you got it. I, the joke was about Melania and she, I got off and he's like, you must do a Melania Trump impression. And I was resistant because I don't want, I was like, I do like original characters, more or less not political, maybe political in like the way things I talk about, but not like directly. And so then, um, then I did, I did a few videos. They did well. Then I went to pride as her with mm -hmm. a sign that said crying since 2016. And that went well. Then someone asked me to just stand up as her as show. It did really well. And then Uh, it's just something that kept happening. Like, it's like a thing you do and you're like, wow, this is, you just feel it. You're like, this could be something that I do a lot. Do you, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because she is a, um, she's a unique person. A lot of people don't know anything about A, but B also in not knowing anything about her. I guess it gives you a lot of freedom based on just, you know, you physically reading what she's doing or saying. Yes, and also no one cares about her. That's also something that's re real. Yeah. Like meaning like, um, for instance, Reddit, like you can't find any threads that have her. And, and people don't care, like, you know, I used to talk, like I make fun of her, like where she's from, but more I'm making fun of Americans who don't really know where she's from. Mm -hmm. So I'll do that, but like people don't really care too much. Trump people can just do a challenge where like, they transform from themselves to Donald and everyone's like, oh my God, you're amazing. <laughs> but with Melania, no one cares. Like she appears, they're like, it's just. I mean, it, it seems like the biggest thing is, is she holding Trump's hand, right? Yeah. Are, they, are they holding hands? And yeah. then uh, did he try to hold her hand and she said no? Yeah, like does she care about Ivanka and what did she say to Ivanka and is she holding his hands is what people care yeah, about. And I, mean, yeah. I think it's probably more arguing is she just jealous of Ivanka because of, you know, listen, there's going to be some weird shit coming out when Trump dies. That daughter's going to go hit some ayahuasca or someone's going to slip it into her fucking Wheaties and uh, stuff's going to come out. <laughs> she's, my, she's my next character. I've already dove into this, that lady. Oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. But, um, what is it about her outside of, 
that awkward commentary relationship that she has with the Donald. Um, what, what is it about her that interests you? Um, well, she's vying to be the next president of the United States. So you we think it's going to be her or do you think oh, it's going to be his press secretary gal who takes on who, uh, listen, agree or disagree with Trump's politics is inconsequential to that press secretary gal, uh, that, you know, that goes up and, she and are prepared. she just basically reads off papers. If yeah. you watch her. Yeah, she no, just, I know. just reads off whatever they give her. Yep. She's like, Oh yeah, we thought of that. And she just turns to it. And um, she lies to the, like, and she just, I mean, she's vying for her next contract. I think mm -hmm. she's just trying to be a, a next newscaster, have her own show. Really? See, I, I look at her and I'm like, man, I wonder if she's prepping to try to be the next president. Yeah, I think she's, she's the Trumps want to keep it in the family. And I think Don Jr. and Ivanka are going to be running. Um, yeah. And so I think, I don't think Don's going to go for president. I think it's Ivanka. And their, her, her RNC speech was actually like, I think the first one of her campaign, I'm calling it right now. And it was all about everything I've done. Um, well, she's the daughter of a narcissist. She is a narcissist. She has layers of denial um, that would make your skin crawl. She's been sexualized by her father from a young age. Yeah. I mean, her homegirls had veneers. I'm calling it right now, right now on this podcast. It's the first time I've said this publicly. She has had veneers since she was like five. I am positive she talks nationally and dad are national <laughs> can't even get her like lips around her teeth she's a very interesting person she's got some chompers that's for sure uh, yeah she's and she's a scary person because she's deeply manipulative yeah that, that, i mean i think that whole group is right it is um when you're uh raised by a narcissist or when you are one or when you're used to playing off people's weaknesses versus playing off the greater good of where we can go. Yeah. And it's all about like power and money. And we will not, we have not seen the last, and no matter what happens in November and if Donald is, we, we're not kidding. He's not going to stop tweeting. And we have not seen the last of Ivanka. I, I assure you this, cause she can't go back to New York life. So, cause no one's going to have her. No one likes her. So I'm sure but the thing is though, like rich people are so soulless. So many of them, like if for money and power, if they think she has access, they'll welcome her enough. I think that that's, even though I'd love to think that she, she can't have her New York socialite life back and she can't to a large degree, to some degree, I think some rich people will be like, yeah, well you can help me. So I like you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I think that um, it's going to, to your point, rich people are soulless. Epstein, right? I mean, yeah. They're just, until the person gets caught. And I wonder as a woman, I, I really wanted to get a woman's take on this. I think you're the, you're the first woman I've asked about this. I want to get your take and you're funny. And so I think that you're going to have a great insight on this. How offensive is it to see a Matt Damon or any other, you know, uh, any other actor come out and be like, yeah, whew, man, been hearing a lot about Weinstein. I'm glad he finally got busted. <laughs> they all knew and they're not giving the money back you want to no. be so you want to be so like all of them every single one of them on it you didn't know give me a break film sets are the most gossipy places in the universe everyone knows everything about everyone and everything everyone's doing so you want to try i'm getting good old queens on this you want to try to tell me you didn't know what he was doing and that goes for everyone involved everyone in one of his movies and meryl i love you but you knew stop trying to be like matt like, oh, oh i can't believe he did it and then like someone called him out like yeah you you just told me the other day i can't believe he's doing that shit or i told him to stop that shit so 
fuck all of y'all with your false sense of morality. Just admit, we knew it, we accepted it. Unfortunately, this is how this shit works. I mean, is that the grossest explanation of mansplaining you've ever seen? (laughs) I I was offended. I mean, and I'm not a social justice word by any stretch of the imagination. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a guy from Montana who's closer to 50 than to 40. And, I, and I'm a big pusher of, hey, no one normal is fun or engaging to talk to. So take the scars of life and, and let them build and mold you into the person you want to be. Learn from your mistakes. Learn from others' mistakes. Go forward. Charge away. But also own them. Take it on the chin, right? Uh, the fact that no one in Hollywood, except for maybe Ricky Gervais, took it on the chin, who was, was more of a comic than anything else, right? It seems like comics were the only, is the only group that own mistakes or say, hey, we, you know what, we should have spoke up about this. Uh, yeah. Whereas actors don't want the soundbite. Comics live off the soundbite, actors avoid the yeah. soundbite unless it's about the- Maybe their- it's because we're, we're expected to be scumbags to some degree, so we get away with it. But I'll be honest, I'll be, I don't care, give a fuck if you don't like this, whoever out there is listening to be like, me, 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 me. If I, Weinstein started doing movies again and he asked me, I'd consider it. I work so hard, you know how hard I work? And if I get a little break like that, I mean, if I felt like it wouldn't, if the only way I wouldn't do it is if I felt like it wouldn't give me opportunities. That's the only reason. Well, that's like that- The uh, only reason. That Rogan bit, right? It's a very interesting game. When it, you know, it, it's, it's the, um, it's, it's the, if it's Harvina Weinstein, it's a gross lady. And his son wants to become Batman, but has to, you know, get on the old casting couch. Hey, you're going to be Batman, kid. Suck it up. Right? And, and no one's saying boo to that kid. They're like, oh, crying your beer because Harvina Weinstein, <laughs> you know, put you on the casting couch. However, it is a very unique thing that Hollywood seems to be this rinse and repeat area. It's just, I mean, it's, it's the same problem, rinse and repeat over and over again. And it's, that's like movies, Correct. right? Blockbuster movies, everyone, if, for all the independent movies that have made it versus all the hundred million, $200 million movies that have failed, you would think they'd be like, hey, well, we should look at independent original screenplays. Let's not remake planes, trains, and automobiles. Let's find a, an original thought. And instead they go, no, remake, remake, remake. We don't need these original films. Then an original film comes out, $20 million, does $700 million, and they're like, yeah, yeah amazing. Sense. It's a lark. Well, to your other point, there's much not a lot, a lot of Harvina Weinsteins. Yeah, that's true. There should be. I would like if there were more. I'd like so, if there were a lot okay, of there's not, well, I'm sorry? I want some Harvina Weinsteins out there. I do. You know some Harvina Weinsteins. I know some, but I want some. I want more. Listen, I, I mean, I'll have a Harvina Weinstein. I'll go in there and do what I got to do. I'll dive into the bus, whatever, whatever. You know, I'm not touching the Harvey, though. No, don't touch the Harvey. Nasty. 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 Uh, you know, it's Courtney Cox is in this film. And this, this, by the way, this show is full of hard left turns. Courtney Cox in this film, she is, um, you two, by the way, I'm noticing this, you two look alike a little bit. You and do Courtney me. Cox, you do a little bit, but she is this ageless wonder of, she's not a comic, but she makes you laugh. She's an actress. She does some serious roles, but she, what is it about that middle road? You're not a comedic actress. You're not a drama actress. 
it's that I went from TV to film kind of thing. How does that, how do you make sure you don't fall into ambivalence? Is that by keeping your characters? And then when you look at someone who has navigated life in that ambivalent realm, you know, God bless her making her money and she does a good job. I'm not knocking her skills in any way, but is that what makes her relevant across the board more than let's say a, a pure character actress? I'm not sure. I'm not okay. sure. I mean, she also got on one of the most successful sitcoms in TV history. That doesn't hurt. Well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, she just... Do you remember there, when Friends started? You can't. I'm sorry? Do you remember when Friends started? I, I don't. I 1993. Don't. It was a mid-season kickoff. I called Tom Zakawar media affairs specialist at the White House. He was my entertainment reporter uh, for our radio show. And we would call him and ask him about TV shows. And friends had come on. <laughs> and I was like, raving about Seinfeld, raving about something else. So this friend show's awful. It's not gonna make it. <laughs> I'm pretty much, I mean, Psychic Friends Network has tried to get me on there many I saw this great tweet, yeah. It's just, I couldn't believe it made it, but it did. I mean, it's. it's, it's um, I saw this great tweet about friends, which said, I'm gonna become a zillionaire so I can buy, uh, buy the entire, whatever seasons of friends, that whole library and remove the laugh track so people can understand how unfunny it is. <laughs> oh, I would love that. I would love that. How, how do you, you know, that, that's one of the problems is interaction, right? Is getting laughs. That's, that seems to be the feed of knowing a good joke, of knowing a good bit. Uh, uh, how are you getting that feedback now that you don't have stand-up clubs to go it's to? It's really hard. And also what does well on the internet isn't necessarily really funny. Mm -hmm. um, like, you can't really do jokes on TikTok. You can't really, yeah. <laughs> For TikTok comedy, you got to take a joke and divide it by 85 and then hope that it jumps on a trend. It's just the opposite of what we're told to do as comics, like write from your soul, write what you know, write original material, don't write what everyone else is doing. And a lot of internet stuff is copy what everyone's doing and make a spin on whatever bullshit. But it's the opposite. So um, right now it's really hard. Yeah. You know, we write some stuff, we'll have like, all right, this is one for us, this is one for them. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's true, it's like the internet and a little bit of a dig here and a, a little throwback for some kids, but uh, the internet is like um, Carlos Mencia is everywhere, just slightly stealing jokes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I'm gonna take that theme and that punchline, but I'm gonna change it from a dog to a cat. Look, I've yeah. got a new joke. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. Yeah, I was in a webinar and, and someone said the way that I, and they're not a comic, they do something else. But he said, it's just about how the internet works. He's like, I took this guy's video who had a lot of views and I frame for frame copied it. And that made me like huge on YouTube. Yeah. Really? Yeah. He said that. He's wow. like, that's what you got to do. Just find what's doing well and just copy it. God, I find what doesn't do well. And I, and I go, this is the lane I want to go after. <laughs> what what is what is not happening you know that we were uh we were getting hundreds of downloads out of russia and um and kazakhstan and i was laughing because i'm like 
they're watching or they're listening to a podcast about movies they can't get, references they don't understand, and two people they've never heard of. Like, this is, this is the lane I've carved out, the lane of like, I guess this is what that movie's about. You know, and then at the end, people would be like, oh man, we should have quoted more of the film. I'm like, no, but we got to know, learn more about you and, and what's going on yeah. in life and what's happening. And I want to talk about your book. But it's like, you get all these things going and then you have, you know, 400 people from Russia, from Moscow. I'm like, well, what are those people doing? I mean, there yeah. must be nothing going on. <laughs> yeah, I think also the fascination with American movies. Yeah. Hello, Putty. Hello, Putty. How you doing? I will call oh. you soon. Don't text me, okay? Don't text me. Don't know. Okay, so don't text me, okay? Don't know. White House phone. Okay, maybe send email. That's okay to do official gets, state business. If he loses, how soon is the divorce? Oh, she's not going anywhere. You don't think so? No. No. I think she's in danger of being dumped, and I think she used... I think the, the assertion that maybe she stayed in, in New York long so longer so she can renegotiate a different post nup is very um is very right on it's actually one of the the few times i was like um yeah that that, that sounds very right to me based on like everything i know about melania uh -huh. um, so i think she's smart and she just wants to she, they only have to see each other three times a month so when which that's what donald he bragged that he found that secret to marriage was only seeing your partner two or three times a month for him, 100%. I mean, let's, is that a person, you think about that energy and that attitude. It, you know, that's not the person you want to be around, right? That's not, there's, there's something about being around someone who is never been wrong. And when they're shown they're wrong, they're like, yeah, well, if you want to interpret the numbers that way, it's like, no, two plus two is four. It's not five. Mm -hmm. I mean, if that's what you think, fine, whatever. But yeah. it's not doesn't have to be true what mm -hmm. if the what if the four-dimensional two and you're just like this is you're you're just you're, you're making i think stuff. she just nods and then goes screams into a pillow yeah yeah i think i think she knows what she's there for it's a it's a trade it's a trade and and i think what's um, she getting out of the trade i don't know what she's maybe, getting she's got to see him make it at some point I mean, she's getting money and she, Donald is notorious for bad prenups. So she's been trying, trying to grab what she can when she can. But I think that her standard of life would be impossible on her own. And so she's going to stay for as long as she can. I think she'll get like something out of it, but not the level of, that she lives at now. Not even close. Damn. I just, I couldn't imagine. Are you married, been married? I am actually. I'm You're married. Mm-hmm. What I can't imagine being in a relationship with that man in any capacity from, from friendship to, to, you know. Well, imagine like it's Donald to go back to Slovenia. I mean, did you, I mean, she gets to live in a penthouse, never have to cook, clean, shop, schedule her kid, drive her kid anywhere, do give her kid homework help. She's guaranteed that her, now she put it apparently in the prenup, which I believe that Baron is kind of guaranteed some place in the family business. Um, Cause otherwise he'll end up like Tiffany, like the side, the, the step kid, the, like the exchange student who stayed too long. That's, that's Tiffany. Yeah, what, what, that, she came out and spoke and, you're like, and everyone's like, who's this? Like, oh, that's did Tiffany. You know, did you notice she had the bad hair extensions and the cheap outfit? Yeah. She well, had she, the best of everything. <laughs> 
<laughs> and Ivanka has clearly better hair extensions, such better hair extensions. Oh, Ivanka's like, this isn't really my sister. <laughs> like, Donald doesn't want to be in pictures with her because she's too fat for him. Oh, God bless. So just the thing is, Melania's not going to divorce him. Like, there's no way. No does way. He, does he divorce her? Maybe. And she's, she's prepared herself. I mean, he's like, you know what? I can't believe I lost. It was the best she's a, a, a woman in menopause, over menopause. She might be like at it or past it by this now. Yeah. He, no way. No way. I mean, it's just, you look at him and just, you, I can just hear him be like, you know, I would have won. It's all about family. And of course, with that, mm -hmm. you just have to say, Lonnie would never hold my hand, would never show how much I love this country as much as I love her. And even the greatest win can seem like the greatest loss. Mm -hmm. when the only loss is a broken heart. So I had to divorce her. Because I'm no longer president. I can see it happening. Yeah, I think he might he might get rid of her, but maybe he'll keep her because she's docile and um, sucks his cock every once in a while. So. Oh, I just threw up a little bit in my mouth, young lady. <laughs> what? How much more fun? What happens? What is your vision of her? Let's say they get divorced, and she's she has she snuck out on the Amex card. The guy charged it as Louis Vuitton and sex toys and lube. And it's really this dope ass attorney. She gets this new prenup done. How does Melania, in your mind, the way you want to see it, how does she come out of the gates fresh off a divorce? What is she saying? Is she on a tour? Does she write a book in crayon? I mean, do we see the smart side of her? What do we see? What comes out? I wish I had a more exciting thing. If it was Ivanka, I'm sorry, Ivana, his first wife, she would have all of the above. Oh but not Melania. I think she would quietly gather up as much money as she had, could get, and you'd never hear from her again. Like Tiger Woods' ex-wife. Yeah, I do believe that. <laughs> I, I wish I had a more fun example, a, a more fun thing, but it's not, it's not her. She just is very self-interested. Self mm -hmm. So she just wants to live a quiet life. I do believe that, yeah. I want... I mean, I don't, I, I say this out of jest a little bit, but it, if, Trump, if Trump loses, right, first thing I want him to do, like I go out, with, be the first president to go out with a bang. I want you to walk up. I can't believe Joe Biden won. Sleepy Joe won. I'm so mad. Yeah, there's fucking aliens. Yeah, we got spaceships. They're right over there. Go get them. I'll see you later, America. I'm out. And just turn the news, I mean, like, We've had these hints, you know, the thing in the New York Times came out, ooh, there's aliens. By the way, do you believe in aliens? Do you think we got some visitors? I don't know, I don't wanna see them. I don't wanna be the one to go figure that out. I, that's all I know about that. We got that <laughs> I mean, the, the uh, Pentagon came out like, we have things that aren't from earthly origins. It was Correct. in the New York Times. And then you have Draper, he saw this like UFO Tic Tac thing. He's like, I don't know what it is. It's moving around like crazy. This is, this is terrifying. I just, I want, in my dream, my heart of hearts, right? I want him to go out and I want him to be like the new, I want to see Donald Trump once a week on Ancient Aliens. I wanted to not win the election, tell us where the UFOs are, get your history check, check, and let's get you on with that guy with the crazy hair and the big turquoise medallion and all those other weird assholes that just look at something and go, well, yeah, the river runs down here, but the only way the river runs north and south, it has nothing to do with gravity. It's because, uh, you know, the Anunnaki came down and this is where they pissed and their, their piss is like got magnets toward the sea and that's what drives it there. Hence, aliens. Well, that's where he's going mentally, so. 
<laughs> you know, Pablo Mines is my prediction. If he loses, he's going to make a stink. He's going to call it. He might um, encourage some militas to take action. Uh, people will die, but he um, he will try to contest it. He'll do everything he can, and if he can't, if he can't, he might succeed in stealing it. Then he will start his own network. Ooh. Oh, I, oh, that's a great call. See, I like that. I like that. I, I will say this. For all you militants out there who don't listen to this show, that they're going to get forward to this show, let me tell you this right now. Joe Biden's little right-hand person, and I say little being that's just vice president, that's no reason I say just a notch below him, is Kamala Harris. Proudly a top cop. Proudly a person who loves to put people in jail. So if you want to get a little aggressive and you want to flex, just understand just because she's an attractive woman who wears heels, I'm pretty sure she'll put some boots on and kick you right in the nuts. Uh, well, that's true. I can't wait to see her take down Pence because she is an incredible. How she made Kavanaugh look like a little shithead, like a little schoolboy. Oh, little Kavanaugh! <laughs> oh, you got a little school by Kamala, didn't you? So that's so she's gonna she's gonna make Pence cry to his mother and by mother i mean his wife because that's what he calls her i know how, how are they gonna do the interviews because um he can't be just in a place with just a woman is his wife gonna be next to him yeah sitting there trying to trying not to check out kamala's butt because his wife well that's where they might have met in a, one of those degaying camps oh i think pence is just begging for cock all day long just oh man just oh, he's definitely. just pursed lips He's like that Ted Haggerty from Colorado, that pastor who's just like, Christian people have the best sex. Let's talk to my friends. Well, yeah. it's so great. Why are you huffing meth and banging truckers in hotel rooms? <laughs> or hey, Falwell, what do you, I mean, the, I, I love people that throw stones because you know when they throw stones, there's something hiding back there and they don't want anyone to know. Yep, when you're so hateful. I have Mike Pence right here. I'm looking at him right now. I have a cardboard cutout of him. We use it for different videos. It's so oh. funny. Speak of the devil. Hey, hey, Pence, are you, are you just, at some point every day, he feels uncomfortable because his cardboard cutout is so close to you. And yeah, he your does. husband's not there monitoring your <laughs> lust for him. I mean, this is just. <laughs> I, um, what was I going to say? Um, we were thinking of doing videos of just having the cardboard cut out. He's actually was supposed to be in the Milan H.M. Brochure tour. He probably will make it into the apology tour. Um, yeah, poor Pensy Pence. Um, but he's just, I have to use him somehow. We just wanted to have videos of just showing him the cardboard cut out and then a voiceover. Um, maybe definitely for the debates, if I do a debate watch party, I think I'm gonna have to have him next to me. Oh, 100%. Just sitting there. Cause he's always kind of lurking. Yeah. Can you get a Falwell cutout to be behind him just so he can cock watch? <laughs> <laughs> I don't participate, but I do like to watch. I think it's really no. <laughs> He's just in the corner. You're like, there's our little Christian Republican in the corner over there. <laughs> what, how does that happen? How does, as, as, a, as, as, as a rational person, and then, you know, put your comedic mind on it, how does a couple go to the pool boy and be like, does the wife go first? Does the husband go, hey, were you checking out her ass? He's like, no, I'm just cleaning the pool. It's like, are you sure? Hey man, I'm just cleaning the pool. You want a banger, don't you? He's like, no, bro, why, man, I'm a good Christian man. I'll watch. I'm sorry, what? I don't, 
I don't want, I don't, because maybe it's just because I'm such a vanilla person who just likes to drink beer, have some edibles, do some shrooms, you know, yeah. once a month or something and, and see the dark side of the moon and listen to 80s rock and torture my child with Huey Lewis in the news and muddy waters. <laughs> <you know? laughs> like that's my excess. <laughs> and then you've got this guy like my excess is watching a pool boy bang my wife while I sit in the corner. Yeah. Yeah. And well, it's usually the people who are the most uptight who have to do that. I mean, I think what your, your rendition of what might be go down is probably accurate. That sounds, that sounds like it could be a scene from Jerry Fumble's life. <laughs> oh, how long before Lifetime makes that movie? Oh goodness gracious. I don't want to be there, but I have some, I have yes, some. Yes, get, get, you've got, you've got, you've got a book. You are the most prepared guest we've had as far as movie ready prepared a, but B, then also you have your book as well, which we want to touch on. Yes. And then, um, you know, C, anything else you want to book? Yes, absolutely. I mean, there's definitely, so, okay. So the scene where, now do people see this? Like, do they see the movie? So sometimes the people will queue up. They'll be like, all right, so Jason hit play, I hit play. They're just talking. This, this really feels like, and what this should feel like uh, for, for us or for anyone, and the, the concept of this was is, it's like the holidays. And the holidays come around and you're cooking or you're hanging out talking to Nana and there's a show on. I grew up in a house where the TV was always on. The TV was never off, never. Mm. And so, but then someone would stop, hold on, there's a play. Hold on, yeah, this is my favorite, this is my joke. This is the thing I like. And then they, were, they quote it, and then it, it spurred off into other parts of a conversation. Got it. Got so, it. Okay, okay. So yeah. people might queue it up. Okay, this is great. So I'm not sure where this then this will fall. But remember, this, there's the part when he speaks at his ass to someone. Right? Yes, to Tone Look. Yes. Who Tipper Gore so tried to shut down. What, that was something that happened to Keenan. So they were having some kind of sparring a lot. I think it's because... Basically, um, Keenan was taking some of Carrie's favorite things and, and not putting them in. And then I think um, he had reduced Carrie's lines in a sketch to like one line mm -hmm. of a very funny character. And <laughs> when they were in the reading, they're around the table during the reading. He got up and he turned around and he talked through his butt to Keenan. And Keenan didn't like he was ran, ran a very tight ship he was like in control of everything people were kind of scared of him there was no air in the room everyone was like 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 what's gonna happen and Keenan Keenan didn't say anything <laughs> he just didn't say anything and that was and that was it and that was it and that was the, the creation of the ass talking in Ace Ventura and, and then he said um I think this is a scary quote. He said, the thing, thing about it is, that's where the best stuff comes from. Extreme emotions, those moments where you're set free either by anger or joy. What's your ass talking so, moment? So, um, super sweet. Like that's, that's, where, that's where it came from. It came, um, it came from that. And basically Carrie later apologized and they were fine. That's, that's what I have. That's, that's what information I have, at least this book has, which is called Homie Don't Play That, The Story of the Living Color and the Black Comedy Revolution. Do you, um, um, yeah. do you, do you have an ass-talking moment? Do I ever have an ass-talking moment? Yeah, that moment where you kind of broke out, you did something that maybe 
everyone else was like, oh, shit. And it worked oh, out. Oh, yeah, just the other day I had it on. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, um, I, I was somewhere in uh, a bunch of Trump. Um, I'm quarantining down in New Jersey. And we were on the bay. We're on the bay. And a Trump parade came by. And, you know, usually when they have their flags, they're fine. You know, they come in and out. They just drive around. I don't care. Whatever. Doing their thing. I'm going to ignore you. They were very aggressive and they came into the cove and they started playing their music. Um, and they stopped in front of my house. I don't know why, probably because we were out there and like didn't, didn't give them a reaction. And they want, and later I found out that that's what they're looking for is a reaction because then they, they video it and then put it on and say, look at, look at the progressive liberal, la 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 la. But I didn't know that at the time. And I, um, they were playing and they started waving like Trump, uh, women for Trump and another Trump flag. And I was like, they were playing, they were being playing their music really loud in front of the house. And I was like, finally had it. And I gave them the finger and then they started screaming. And then I gave them both fingers and then they kept saying stuff. And then finally I said, I screamed. It was my ass moment. I said, fuck you at the top of my lungs. Like, fuck. it was like came from the deep well. Like that's where it comes. It's like, and everyone heard it I didn't give a fuck um but and then I started saying stuff that was stupid and then I just ignored them I and then once I got it out it was fine but that's yeah it came from a deep well like a deep well of like you're promoting hate and you want us to think say it's okay it's you're almost daring us to say to say something because then you could say that we're not we're not accepting of your viewpoint and yet you're being hateful and I can't fucking stand it. <laughs> and I mean, that was my right to do. That was their freedom of speech. And that was my freedom of speech to say, yeah, sure. well go fuck yourself. But and it's, it's, that um, was my ass. Well, I mean, you know, the, the Trump thing is interesting, right? Um, it is always interesting when, uh, you know, they're like, what we got women for Trump. Hey, guess what? Some ladies like Hitler too. Doesn't make him a good person. You know, they put these yeah. groups up like this group is for Trump. So therefore, obviously good guy. And you're like, that's yeah. not how it works. It's like I have a black friend, so I'm okay. Yeah. That's essentially what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really deep. I heard this the other day from historians who um, are highly um, historian and another professor. I'll just leave it vague because I don't know if they want to be quoted. Sure. But um, they're pretty... They're very well, they do well. And so I will, um, they said that right now, it's a consensus among historians that we're living uh, in a fascist state right now. This is fascism. And it's hard to like think about because we're like, wait, but you know, Lauren gets to do her comedy videos and everything's fine. And they're like, yes, okay. So how it is, they were in, we're in like the step two fascism. We're not like in the, full blooming of it but we're in the precursor to it and so uh, we gotta be really careful yeah like, I mean, gotta get that out. this is a really big deal and like actually like you know they don't they don't come after everyone at once they let some people do their thing and then they start coming after certain groups um it's a scary time it's like really that's yeah it seems like America's built on these scary times, right? We're built on these pivotal scary times. And I will say, 
and I've said this a couple of times, so forgive me uh, to the listeners for repeating myself, but what we do have and what's very exciting is that if you look at America and what we've already overcome and done, right, we can overcome this, but at some point we have to be smarter. We all have to kind of go to therapy. Our hearts and our wallets aren't aligned and we don't treat we treat this as a mosaic, not as a relationship. So everyone likes the, oh, you know, this is the country built off of all the other countries. That's great, but we don't have relationships. So we let things come to a, a boil, they pop. We go, oh shit, we gotta fix this. What do we have to do? But there's not gonna be a city in America. I would put, Vegas, get me some lines. I'll put some money on this. Not a mayor in a, I live in Austin, Texas. There's not a city, the, the mayor in three months is not gonna call together African-American leaders, Latino leaders, Caucasian leaders, and, and, and Asian leaders, and, and then LGBTQ leaders in the community. He's not going to bring them all together in three months and go, how are we doing? How are yeah. relationships? Yeah. You know why? Because no one thinks that way. They think there's a problem. I put yeah, it up. I, I solved it. And, they don't, and they're like, you live with someone. You know what relationships are. They're good, they're bad, there's fights. Some fights are two minutes, some fights are two days. But you learn from them and you grow and you learn to communicate better. And that's the one thing we don't do. Yes, yes, it's, not, it's instead of, it's, it's reactionary politics instead of thinking about like what kind of world do we want to create. And there are some people who wanna change that and wanna do something different. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's definitely a problem. And like Michelle Obama said in her speech, like it's why November is so important is like, you think that it can't get worse. It can't, it, oh, it can get worse. Yeah. It can get worse. And, and it's <laughs> a, a different kind of worse, right? It's like what it, you know, it's um, ambivalence or hyper, hyper uh, aggressiveness towards one, not the other. The people coming into the bay, right? Blaring music waving their flags, waiting for the other group to come in, blare their music, wave their flags, or get a rise out of someone. I don't understand, I've never understand the point of this. I always, I remember growing up, my parents, a little ride of the, the sheriff of Nottingham. I mean, my mom was banging the tambourine and hitting the triangle in church choir, just full of white people speaking in tongues, <laughs> running down the aisles, freaking out. But, you know, no one in, in those scenarios, right? It was, we're right, they're wrong. And I would watch Bill Maher, or I would watch other comics or other people that saw the world differently. She's like, why would you ever let them, why, why would you let that enter your mind, that filth? And I was like, wait, no, 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 no. If you don't know how they think, then you can't talk to them. And it's not about changing their mind, it's about understanding their mind. And, and I don't think we live in that world anymore, right? You live in a world of understanding minds. You live in a world of understanding minds to a point that you can understand and read a crowd and make everyone laugh when you want to. You have this beautiful art of, of this roller coaster you can take people on. You can go serious and go funny and they're like, ha ha, oh my gosh, that's shocking. Ha ha, oh my, what's, you know, you can take people on that journey, but you can take them on a journey because you understand. You're not there trying to, you're not a cult leader trying to convince them that the earth is flat. You're there trying to say, hey, I understand where you're at, and now let me take you where I'm at, and then we're gonna see where we'll meet in the middle for a real funny ha-ha. And I wonder how much November is gonna be different because we don't have you traveling the US 
making us laugh. Yeah, I mean, we were actually supposed to do a get out the vote tour. And I think it, you know, we're being discouraged to vote. Uh, they don't want us to vote and they're going to do everything they can so we don't vote. Um, I think that's going to affect things. And I, that's why we need to, I mean, it needs to be like, I think, and there's so many ways to go about this, but I mean, the art that I create is I have a get out the vote rap I put out. Melania is like, come on, let's do it. And I hope, uh, you know, bring me on your, to whoever you're listening, bring me on your show or your Zoom event or wherever, and I'll come in and, and rap to try to rally us to vote. I mean, it's going to affect us. And I think it's like one-on-one -on -one conversations. Like other than that, like other than what I can do, which is do as much performance as I can, the other thing is, um, you know, being really clear about like talking to people about, you, know, you have to register to vote. Are you registered to vote? I mean, that's, those are the things that are really important. Yeah. Is it? I don't uh, know. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird. It's, it seems like the, uh, the banner that stand up comic and comedians took, right? Especially during this time, talk shows yeah. and bringing people on and, the evolution of Instagram and TikTok and, and Facebook and everything else. This is your time. And it, it's like both, we've shut down the country, obviously in, in an effort to save lives. And, and I think there's a beautiful time for a reset here to align our hearts and our wallets. But in between that, there's this group that has this funny way of educating us, that has this funny way of questioning how we see the world that has this beautiful insight of going, oh, well, you see a head? Great, I see a building. It's the same dollar bill, but you have this beautiful way of seeing things and articulating it to make us laugh and question how we see the world. Mm -hmm. And we've lost that during a very, very pivotal time. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. Um, yeah, that's a really sad thing. <laughs> uh, thanks for reminding me what a I culture. Know, but it is, it's it breaks my heart because this yeah. is this is what you, you can go read the laws and the bills and you got you want to make your decision but isn't there a fun way to listen to someone that then when you're in a conversation i i'm a libertarian i i don't i'm not a republican i'm not a democrat i go out i vote i vote for the person not for the r or the d or the l i do my research but the fun thing about the idea of comics was always that, oh, wait, if someone's like super Trump or super Biden, and I've listened to a comic who's not super either way, but has taken both positions and flipped it on, I'm gonna be like, oh, I heard this comic say this, this is hilarious. And you can take a pro-Trump neighbor or a pro-Biden neighbor and versus alienating now everyone on the driveway having beers and talking, you can now spin it into everyone's laughing and yeah. thinking differently and still changing the way that they just, just subtly. Yeah. So I, think, I think Harvard's gonna have two studies that are gonna come out in 10 years. One, how a lack of stand-up comedy made this the most boring, dry, <laughs> lowest turned out election cycle we've ever seen. And two, I think they're gonna come out and be like, when it comes to how we've devolved in communication, how we've let someone bring the bar down and we've kind of gone down with them in some capacity. Um, how we need to think about better ways to communicate with one another in a, in a more effective manner that, that 
he's popular being an asshole, but that doesn't mean we have to be one, if that makes sense. Yeah. So how are things in Austin? Are people performing at all? No. At people all? Are in, no. in Houston, people are performing in Houston. Uh, people are performing in, I think, Dallas. But yeah, in British. Austin, no. No, nothing's going on. Uh, a little more strict here. Yeah. So is, are they at full capacity in, in nope. Dallas and Houston? So they're like, uh, they're at 50% capacity in those cities. Uh, wow. Wow. Yeah. And Philly, they're, they're, they're starting to do stuff now at helium. I guess got something New York, nothing, but, um, yeah. In Philly, their helium is opening and I don't think it's, full, I don't think punchline is that's the other club there. I think stand the stand out in New York, they're trying to do some outdoor shows, but that's going to end in a month. Um, yeah, that, that weather is not conducive for those outdoor shows. Yeah. I mean, definitely in the lineup I saw in Philly was not like the huge headliners, which is kind of cool because then it gives like other people a chance uh, because obviously a big headliner is not going to come for 50% of the audience. It's going to yeah. be like a whole new experience. Like comedy is best shared in a crowded room in the dark. And, that, and that's like with low ceilings and poor ventilation. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be the last thing to come back i mean it really just depends uh how this flu season goes and and people are the people who are aware and who like usually people who like comedy and they're and they're not going into a comedy club no they're not it's uh even the most staunch people who are not anti-covid but we're all right it's time to get going yeah you know, shab and callan Went down to Houston, did a show, both got COVID. No way. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, wow. So their wow. tour schedule stopped real quick, right? I mean. Yeah. Yeah. That'll. I heard um, Joe Rogan's moving to Texas, but I think. He's already here, yeah. Well, but I, I think it may be. And some other people are. Who else? What's his name? Um that a JP Sears, I think, is performing a bunch of different places, but. Yeah, Rogan, I mean, he had, that law is gonna pass in California. Uh, two laws passed that um, I think uh, really pushed things over the edge. One was if you leave and California's felt like uh, you've built your career here, they will yep. go after you for taxes for 10 more years. What? So Rogan's hundred million or $200 million deal, depending on who you listen to. And then plus the $5 billion bump in stock and what he got out of that, right? He had the option, stay in California, you got to pay all those California taxes, but then you have to, even if he, if he left later, I think after 2021, he would then have to pay for 10 years taxes on that. Yeah. I don't know legally how that works. Like what? Yeah, yeah. How that how that happens. So I think that's one. Um, two, uh, you know, uh, that new ruling came out, and kids as young as they got passed by the legislation that you know kids as young as fourteen can have sex with someone up to ten years older than them, and they won't be considered a sexual predator. And it's up to the judges um, how the judge sees the case. Well, the problem is is that. Oh. If I'm a white guy and I'm 24 and I'm banging a 14 year old, right? And then there's an African-American guy who's 24 banging a 14 year old who's not getting labeled a sexual predator. 
and who's getting labeled a sexual predator, who's not yeah. going to jail, and who's going to jail. Yeah. I think those laws are really tough because um, who, it's not often the right people who get who get in trouble and get I read a whole book about this yeah. harmful to minors. It just unfortunately those laws don't apply to everyone and it's often like unfair. So yeah. like if you have like you need to, you're 18, you're banging, you have a 15-year-old girlfriend or even 14, you know, people have sex at that age. Yeah. And you could go to jail, which is kind of crazy because it's like yeah. that was your girlfriend. And like maybe everyone maybe maybe everyone knew you were dating, but then like the dad didn't like you, and then they heard, found out you had sex, and they were like, "Oh, we're gonna charge him for rape." I mean, it's crazy. So I think that like maybe tries to handle that. I mean, I don't know enough about this topic to even really talk about it, but um, yeah, I mean, I had read the the law as a guy who's you know got a daughter. My thing was, this isn't. I understand the point. This isn't yeah. the answer, right? Yeah. To your point, and it, and it happened. It's happened quite a bit, right? And there, yeah. there have been a lot of cases of a seventeen-year-old guy with a fifteen-year-old girlfriend, and in that state, yeah. ooh, he's seventeen, he's legally an adult, or eighteen, legally an adult, and he's got a sixteen-year-old girlfriend, and oh, yeah, you're going, you're you're a, you're a predator, and there's, but we're smart people, right? The the funny thing is, we're smart. We know we know how to navigate these loopholes. We know what to yeah. do to write them down to make it right. And instead, it's like, we don't have the, the smart people writing the rules. It's uh, the age old, I don't know if you ever saw this video. There is a, uh, a senator, and I don't know Republican or Democrat, and quite honestly don't care. But this gentleman's sitting there and they're making a case for why they're moving the army base from one side of the island closer to the major city on the other side of the island. <laughs> and the senator goes, I have a question for the general. And I think this is of great concern. Now, all senators are Southern to me. A great concern to me. If we put the base and move it from one side of the island to the side where the city is on, will not the island fall into the water because all of the weight is on one side of the island? Could you address this concern of mine? And you can see the general reaching for his gun. And he's like, okay, we're just gonna shoot this guy because this can't be a real question. My fifth grader, knows not to ask this question. <laughs> and he goes, no, sir, that's not how islands work. And he's like, according to who? <laughs> according to fifth grade science? That's you know, fifth grade science teacher? Someone, anyone, I don't know. So stupid, I can't. But that's the person also writing laws deciding that, you know, a 17 year old having sex with a 15 year old, that's statutory rape, but a 24 year old having sex with a 14 year old, that's no longer statutory rape. It's the same person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just maybe, you know, they, yeah, it's just, it's so, but it's so weird. It's such, it's, and then the real people, like who are going, there are people, and I have known like someone really going after and using this like facade of the heteronormative life to, try to cover his tracks and being disgusting to little boys like or maybe little girls too i don't know that wasn't caught but you know what happens across the board and you know how much that doesn't get get recorded and, and how much those people get away with it it just makes me so sick i mean that's like a lot of it and so much of this stuff is done within families like yeah. the myth that like most sexual assault 
and molestation occurs from some stranger in a bush somewhere is just such bullshit. People just don't want to admit that it actually happens within the family more, more than anywhere else. Yeah, nobody, everyone likes to throw stones at everyone else's fucked up family. They never, yeah. like, oh, well, that's just, Tom, Tom's weird. No, Tom's a fucking yeah. person. He needs to die. And if you yeah. call, the best part is you call these people out or you call it out, something yeah. bad happens. Uh, I had a very personal situation. I won't bring up names or anything, but, you know, one male figure in my life, tough as nails. I mean, abusively tough, even to me. I got, uh, I remember I was young living in Helena, Montana, and we're, uh, I don't know where, uh, less than, I think maybe first grade, maybe first grade. And some neighbor, obviously his wife, I'm assuming his wife had gotten him in, he had gotten in trouble and he had this, these nude Playboy 52 deck playing cards and they had been thrown out. And of course we're riding our bikes around, you know, first grade, kindergarten, riding our bikes everywhere. And uh, we come across these cards and we can't believe, so we hide them in my garage. Well, a year later we move and my dad finds them and I'm embarrassed because I should be embarrassed. Yeah. Grabs me, finds me, grabs me by the hair, takes a step, puts his foot in my ass, takes a step, puts a foot in my ass. So the only thing carrying me to the car is him holding me in the air by my hair and then the relief of the hair pull by getting kicked in the ass. Yeah. Same person, same violent response to I call your name, you don't answer. Close, close person in the family he finds out is being molested gets drunk that night and never brings it up again. Wild. So you'll Wild. take the shit out of me. You're yeah. so tough. You're so tough. But it's a, it's a family thing, right? It was a family person. It was a relationship. And I, I think it, to your point, right, it comes down to don't call out my family. Yep. Yeah, call out your family. It's time for yeah. some ass kicking. I agree. I agree. I mean, there's just like, it's a painful thing to understand that actually sexual assault starts at home. <laughs> so it's, it's with people, family, friends, that's where it's happening. Or people in authority who think they can get away with it. And, and then they never get called out for what they did. It's just insane. And it often happens sometimes within relationships. It's not necessarily, again, someone you just met one night and something happened. It's sometimes it's like within a relationship something really bad can go on. So it's really fucked up. And the thing with all, like we're talking about, like the laws don't necessarily get those people. They don't. And that's the, that's what terrifies me. What terrifies me. How do you, um, I use, I use comedy, weed and booze to, uh, to handle stress. Um, not necessarily always in that order, but always late night. If I've had it, especially, you know, mm -hmm. just, you know, you've been, him and Han and this is right and this is wrong and we've changed this rule and da, 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 you know you just don't know the uncertainty creates angst and uh and i, I respect and, and love comedy because uh that yeah. that release is there right but it begs the question then how do you manage stress if you're if you're managing stress for me yeah <laughs> i overwork um i overwork that's how i do it let me see if i have something here um, where is it? Get your but book my to-do right list is insane. I schedule like, you know, I could tell you I do something, I get up at six, like by 6.30 to 
10, I'm reading. Then from about 7.20 to 7.50, I'm doing something from 7 to 8, 8 to 8.30, 8.30. Like I have, I have my entire day scheduled down to the minute. I get an insane amount of work done. And that's how I avoid thinking. And that's not a good thing. But that's how I manage, you know. Um, and then how I get out of stress is by um, trying to exercise in some way. Mm -hmm. That's helpful. Uh, meditating sometimes. Um, just trying to is just try to make things better is like the only way I can manage it because otherwise like I'd go nuts, like everything going on now. It, and I think talking to other people and, and just understand who've gone going through similar things and just being like, all right, I'm not crazy. Cause that's in this time they try to make you feel crazy. Um, Do you feel awake at all at any point in time uh, based on the fact that, uh, that so many people look to you for relief? Like, is, is there this, is there this juxtaposed of like, you want to put out this great quality and sometimes yeah. you're not feeling it, but you, there's also this, your videos are amazing and Thank you. you've done great work with original characters. And I'm wondering where that balance is. Where's that, where's that tipping point of, I don't want to, I mean, I saw this with this podcast, right? We started growing, we started getting people reaching out saying, Hey, can you put us on? And I'm like, I love to talk to anybody. So I'm like, yeah, sure. And my numbers started to drop because I was talking to anyone because mm -hmm. I wasn't, you know, and, and I had a friend call me and he goes, you're carrying conversations and this is fucking boring. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, I have to be a little bit more. It, the, yep. the tone of conversation is inconsequential. The reaction of people is, but I didn't want to hear from you, Jason. I hear enough from you. I wanted to hear from the person. Yeah. You know, um, how does that, is, is there, is there anything, or any pressure that you feel when you know how much joy you bring people and you're not feeling bringing that joy? Well, that's sweet to say, but the job is to, it's my job and in my job, if I wait till I feel something, I'll never get anything done. <laughs> no, my job is just to do it. And, and so I, um, love when people express that I bring them to a thank you for that. And like when people are like, you know, your videos really help me out. You bring light to, to, to some dark times. That is what drives me because it's like, you get what I'm trying to do. And, and like you wonder, you get it, you understand it. And like you value it. Like that's, that just drives me further to figure out how I can help people. And the more people express that, then the more ways I can figure out how I can help. And so, yeah, it just drives me to, to continue. Uh, and so I use it as fuel almost. Now, like there was one time I had, I was felt so sick, I was so tired. And there was only one time I had a, I do Instagram lives on Monday nights and I had to actually cancel the only once this whole year, but it was one time I was really glad to, cause I was like, all right, I need to like take care of myself for a second. I need to just go to sleep tonight. So sometimes I have to do that. I mean, sometimes getting enough sleep is also, also one of the things that I feel. Um, this is this quarantine taught me a lot because I wasn't getting enough sleep, and it just was making me miserable. Also, I got COVID and thought it was the flu, and was continuing to work. Did a show on COVID. It's like shows you how dedicated I, I was at Zoom. On Zoom, no worries. I didn't give it to anyone. I was I was away from the city by the time I got it. Um, and didn't give them to anyone. I don't think, uh, I hope, you know, it's so crazy, but I continued to like plug on through it. Um, and that was the wrong choice I recognize now. So 
I think next time, like, and I was sick. I think this was the flu. I wasn't sure. I'm not, I'll never be sure. But uh, in February, I was sick too. And I kept working and my eyes were like, like glassy beyond. And I kept working. And I have to, I'm never going to do that again. Cause that's, it's crazy. And plus I can make everyone else sick. Yeah. It's a, uh, we're in a, uh, it, it's, we're in a space of responsibility that I don't think as a society we've ever had to uh, embrace before. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I talk to people like, I don't get it. People just put a mask on. And I said, yeah, but I think you have to understand the rhetoric that's built this country up until now has never been, let's do what everyone else is doing for the benefit of everyone. It's your special. If you have an idea, fuck the system. You can do it. Come on, this is capitalism. Do what you want to do. Go out and get it. This is your chance to drive forward. Go, 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 go. You, your idea, your special, move. And it's self-centered and it's selfish. And we haven't understood that balance of drive without being selfish. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think people talked about too, like, yeah, but I need to work and I have to do this thing and that's important and I should go out and even though I'm sick, I mean, that's crazy that like we would expect anyone now, if you try to go to work when you're sick, everyone's going to be like, why are you here? Go home, work from Zoom, don't, don't come in. I mean, the other thing that's people with jobs you can, I'm not sure people who, you know, are cleaning the office, what their choices are. I think that's different. Yeah, they don't, they don't get that option. Or, or even like, you know, with schools where people are at. <clears throat> I mean, here, I don't know what it is in, in, uh, in New Jersey. We've had something very controversial pop up. So schools have to be closed right now. And that's okay. All right, you know, I'm a parent. I got to travel for work. But I fly enough that I got companion pass. So if my wife's working and I'm working, guess what? My office is pretty big where I fly to. The kid mm -hmm. can come into Zoom from there. I don't care. Yeah. They said, hey, if you'd like, here's the good news. You can, your kid can come to school. Teachers mm -hmm. won't be there. It's going to cost you $200 a week, and a YMCA employee will be there. Wild. So, so the YMCA hourly employee is not important as the teacher is. Well, they don't have a union. That's right. right. <laughs> and, it, and, and the school is closed because it's dangerous unless I pay $200 more, and then it's no longer dangerous. Yeah, I guess it's paying to get it clean, and it's just it's. But I would it's, pay the everyone's just trying to. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, just, I would pay the two hundred if it was school, but it's not. It's the YMCA rented the school, and now the kids can go there because they've rented it. And I, I'm like, you guys. One, I don't think this is the time for gouging. I don't think this is the time for coming after people for you know to try to get one more pound of flesh. I understand everyone economically is hurting, which is why I've said a lot our hearts and our wallets are not aligned, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, mortgage forbearance or, uh, or rental forbearance, right? It's a great thing. People aren't bringing any money. You should be able to give them a break. What a lot of people economically don't understand is that those loans are pooled up into bonds. Those bonds fuel capital markets. Capital markets fuel retirement funds. And we're not, once again, hearts and wallets are not in line, right? Mm. You want to bring interest rates down so everyone can buy something 
But then what happens to grandma and grandpa who live off retirement savings? They don't have any money. Yeah. Interest rates are at a negative. Mm. And then wow. you, want to, you want to fuel that negative farther. You take the REIT market and you take the mortgage market and you, you offer forbearance, which is the right thing to do. And then you hurt another group differently. I'm not saying that action was wrong. I'm saying cumulatively where we sit and how we think, how we see is broken. It's not that it's right or wrong, it's broken. I believe across the board, generally speaking, we all have good hearts. I don't think we get good information, but I think we have good hearts, you know? Jim Carrey has a good heart for animals. Does he always get all the greatest information in pet detection? Uh, no, he doesn't. Yeah. But he's got a good heart. He's got a parakeet or a, or, a, or, a, or a parrot eating sunflower seeds out of his belly. He's looking for rabies. Yeah. He understands, he's getting hit in the face. Is he doing something right, the smartest way to get the answer? No. Yeah, I saw him on a talk show around this time and he said that he would wear, um, he has a pet and you know those dog, dog collars where it zaps? Oh yeah. He's like, well, if I am a pet detective, I should wear one. So he zapped himself just to see what it was like. Did he like, uh, so I, I have one of those for, we have a basset hound and you know, the neighbors, there's four or five of us dads that get together, the kids play, the dads sit around, have a couple beers, the dogs run around and play. Well, Banjo, the basset hound, God, I love him, but he's not smart. Mm -hmm. He's got a nose that drives him. I mean, there's one other animal in the world that has a better nose than him. So he smells something and he's on the case, on the case. So I have this, it buzzes, first it beeps, then it buzzes, then it shocks. The buzz is at a hundred, which is high as it goes. And that usually wakes him up and he's like, I'm sorry, is someone calling my name? Like it just, he's like, hey, what's going on guys? You know, dude, you're six blocks away. I'd like you to come home. Mm -hmm. And I'm even walking towards me. He's like, what was that again? And I'm like, damn it, get back over here. The shock is at four, four out of a hundred. I've put that shock to my neck and I didn't feel a thing. Not one thing. I hit it on him once. He jumps, turns sideways. You would think he got struck by lightning all of a sudden. And, I, and so I don't, I obviously I only use the buzz, you know, one time I'm like, wait, I tried that on me. Like I, I put the collar on me. I tried the buzz is very effective. Cause it's like, right. It vibrates mm -hmm. the shock. I was like, I didn't feel it. So I thought, well, if I didn't feel it, oh, we're safe. Mm -hmm. He's obviously more sensitive than I am. God bless him. Sweet little bastard. But you know, he's uh, so it was like, what can we do? What happened? You know, what, what, but, so I've done the I've done the similar thing where I'm just like, all right, here we go. You gotta, gotta jump through the hoops for the dog, the the Bernard, if you will, the banjo Bernard. But um, it's uh, yeah, I just I mean, I think we can be better. Yeah, I have another I have another Jim Carrey. Please get at me. On that note, um, so he wrote this film with one of the other writers from In Loving Color, and they would be up like all night and writing and they were like almost like punch drunk sometimes they're like you know people love sharks let's do a shark scene and just like we just co they constantly think of they were like writing this movie day in and day out they and i think jim carrey got a, a deal that he could rewrite the movie and get paid for it and then he had the option to not do it if he didn't like it everyone read it who was working for In Living Color. And it actually was like the joke. It was a joke of season, I think season four 
And they said at the last one, they said, um, the last, this is, uh, Greer said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, during the hiatus, a very own Jim Carrey is going to be shooting a film called Ace Ventura Pet Detective. And that was like a punchline because he had Dan Marino, Tone Loke in this movie. It was like, everyone like, this is going to be an insane, insane bomb. And Colin Quinn read it and he said like, poor kid. This is gonna ruin his career. <laughs> well, it's like, it was the joke of, and then I think it was he met with um, someone from Sandy Gershow, who was a film executive, and he was sitting with her at lunch, telling her like Dan Marino's in it and all these other people, and she's just like, yeah, really kind of rolling her eyes, like give me a break. Um, but one of the things that they did, they I think that he was actually after Ace, he was still on a Living Color because they knew that he was one of the like best people on it and they needed them to stay. And I think that was after maybe Keenan left. I'm not sure about that, but yeah. Um, and then everyone thought it was gonna be bomb and then, oh, whoops. <laughs> Oopsie poopsie, it did well. well it's only, if you read it, it's maybe not great. Like Seinfeld and Jim Carrey met up and Seinfeld was like, yeah, that movie, no one else could have made that funny but you. So I guess on the page, you'd think, eh, but then Jim Carrey does it, and you're like, that's genius. Do you think that's why stand-up comedy will always live and beat books? Because you can't write a joke like the way you can deliver one? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, yeah, it's just so different when you're delivering it and who's delivering it and how they're saying it. Like, there's a famous thing of Mae West sent in a script, they made her send in a script she was gonna do for a radio play. And she sent it in and she did say it word for word and yet she was banned from CBS, I believe, for like what? three years after, yeah. And she said, I was insulted, it should have been seven. But the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> is because they didn't, on paper it was PG, but not the way Mae West said it. And it was all about Pinocchio and his nose. I mean, it was all like, she was like hitting on Pinocchio, but the words didn't say that, but the way she said it made it very sexual. It's interesting. We're at that, we're at that stage, right? Where um, the, uh, the transgender homophobia is strong. Why, why is it interesting or okay for two women to kiss? And it's not interesting or okay for two guys to kiss. I don't know. I like watching men work out, make out. I think it's, I think it's basically. <laughs> work, work out, make out. Hey, work out, make out. It's better. Um, I think. Brokeback Mountain, right? I mean, I guess that's. Yeah, it was awesome. But it's, I don't know why. I don't know why it's men. It's mostly, I think women are more interested in seeing men make out. I don't really know. I haven't done a survey. But it's more men get grossed out about it, their own like insecurities and homophobia. Um, mm -hmm. uh, masculinity is is a thing that can be very uh, precarious. Say precarious. Very feels very. Uh, the, the thing with masculinity is is just from reading some queer theory is that like it's um it, it's supposed to be something that's innate it's not performed Fem femininity is performed so like if you go to a fashion show mm -hmm. and women are performing it's a performance they're walking down the, 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 the runway and they're posing and they're putting on a show where men they look funny if they're performing they're supposed to be natural like keep it super natural 
And it's because masculinity is not a performative thing. And that's why like people love drag queens because they're performing femininity where drag kings have a harder time people liking them because they're performing something that's not performed. It's supposed okay. to be a natural thing. And that's what I think it was. I remember, I don't want to say the person's name because I don't remember exactly who it is, but said that, um, I think the book is female masculinity. And basically that's why one re theory for, um, I forget what you call it when basically the penis doesn't work. It's like, because of the, not because of functionality, but the mind, the, mm -hmm. the mind, it just, they get, I don't know, what do you call that thing when the penis doesn't work? Impotence. Impotence, yeah. So, and it's not because it can't work biologically. Nothing's ever happened to me. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> yeah, you just can't get it up. It's because, because they're like, I have to perform. Shouldn't this just happen naturally when it's like, when female sexuality is like, it is performed. That's how it is. You have to like, put on some sort of performance with it with men are like it's just supposed to happen i don't know it's just not happening and it's like it's it's a lot of anxiety because of what's supposed to be happening naturally so saying that men they feel they're in their section their sense of being a man and i'm not a man and i wouldn't be able to tell you if this is true maybe you could tell me what you think of this i've never actually asked talked to anyone about this a man about this so a man is then their sense of sexuality and manhood is so precarious because it's supposed to be so natural and just known in your head supposed to be not like when really it is something that is learned but it is taught that it is natural i wonder if so there's this play that goes through a man's head right which is if evidence happens the girl laughs tells her friends um, and there's this broken part of, of concern, man, I hope she doesn't think I don't find her attractive. It's me. It's not her. And there's, a, you know, but emotionally, we're not taught to navigate these waters as men, generally speaking. Right. But I would also wonder how funny it would be if women flipped it around and impotence happened and you're like, oh, that's how my vagina feels about seven days out of the week. So yeah, that's um, how my vagina always like didn't. I wasn't into it, but I performed for it, you know, and just yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, I get it. Now you know how I feel sometimes. Um, it's it's okay. Versus oh, yes. yes, you know, uh, but men don't allow for that commentary to come in. Like I don't. I'm not blaming women for it. Men don't allow for that commentary to come in. A Mm -hmm. And then B, um, to your point about, you know, how you, if even if men heard it, I don't think they'd be like, oh, that makes sense. Right. <laughs> they'd be like, no, no, it's still supposed to happen. So you guys don't get together and you're not like, yo, like I had a hard time getting it up. So like, did you use something? What did you do to get out of that? No, uh, I don't think my friends, I don't think we're in that age group yet. Uh, what I'm 46. But sometimes people just like younger men can't get it up for whatever reason. Yeah, I'm going to go with that's porn. Uh, I'm going to think you're spending a little too much time in the broken, inconceivable world of how you think women should be, look, and act when you're in an intimate situation. And uh, you're probably, um, you know, hey, I get it. John Mayer is correct. Your body is a wonderland, but it's not. It's not class action park and uh, and you're treating it that way.
That'd be my humble opinion. Not saying Got it. Got it. So you think, so you think overstimulation then leads to like, it's just when, when you're with a real, like one person who's just like a, you know, they're not an actor, a professional. And, and then you're like, obviously not as stimulating. And so that leads to like, it's just hard. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, you know, I think there's a, a breakdown in, um, once again, full circle on the theme here, right? Communication. It's a relationship. How are you communicating? You know, uh, how many people before they get into a relationship talk about how, how they value uh, sex versus the relationship? Because sex is a finite, especially if you get married older, right? Sex is kind of a finite window. It just does. I mean, at some point you're friends. At some point when you're both 75, you know, yeah. I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying it's just, it's not top of mind like when you were 25. So the fact that we rely on sex to run relationships, to show that the relationship is healthy versus having better communication is, um, is, is a broken principle that, that needs to be adjusted that starts with, I would argue, sex education, which should not be removed, but should be understood as first talking about communication and relationships. Like, yeah, absolutely. I remember this sex educator who told me, she said, I, when I give presentations to, uh, about sex ed, she says like something, something, something. The, and then during this time, then the female might orgasm for the first time, meaning the first time this time. Like she has her first orgasm of this experience. <laughs> she always <laughs> like drops that in. It's like, yes. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's really yeah the idea that desire should be part of like understanding desire should be part of a sex ed curriculum like it's understanding your body and understanding like what you need and being able to talk about that that's just not even talked about like people don't even talk about what they're doing it's no. so what's wild to me it's super wild you know as as someone who is who's queer i find this very interesting about straight people it's just that like they're so like it's just I think I think it's fascinating how often how much shame there is around sex whereas queer folks we're like because we were defined by our sexual desire and so we have to somewhat talk about it mm -hmm. and have open dialogue about it and so it's like uh it's so fascinating to me when I see, see so much shame around around the act of um yeah I find it really interesting. What would you what would you teach people, let's say straight folks, just generally across, what would be your 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 um, for lack of a better term, your 10 cents of advice? And go, this is how you talk about sex, folks. We're at the point where you've got all these people, you know, it's Deborah Winger, right? I'm so bad with names. For a person who's who's done almost three years of a movie podcast, yeah. Called, you know, I was, uh, we, we talked over, my buddy and I talked over uh, uh, the um, Roadhouse, right? And I called him Sam Donaldson the whole time. No, Sam mm -hmm. Elliott, right? Mm -hmm. So not the best. I believe it's Deborah Winger uh, who's, who's in this film and, you know, she's seen as the man and, you know, she does the reverse talk and, everyone, oh, yeah, yeah. and everyone's freaking out. And, and, it, and it goes back to a couple of points, right? Of like why, you know, men freak out if it, I've kissed my friends. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I don't. But I wonder 
from what you've experienced and the fact that you have such a, um, a natural openness and ability to talk about sex, what would be some advice you would give someone to start that conversation? Uh, well, I think the thing is like um, understanding, I think for ladies out there to just understand your own body and like what gets you off and to like take time with that is the first thing. And then I think to understand, and I see so many women get caught up in this, is that what turns men on are not shoes. They're not paying attention to your shoes. Like straight men are not, they, they don't even know what shoes you're wearing. And so, and like some men like heels, they think it looks hot, but they don't know what kind of heels. Like they're not, and if they match your bag, they wouldn't know, they have no idea. Like, you're not like, it's not gonna turn them on more if you're like, heels match your bag so you're paying attention to the wrong thing and I think knowing what you want and actually more men are okay with talking about sex than you think and so when you bring up the conversation I think it might be like a welcome you some I think I would say for women is to get know what you want and then to not be afraid to talk to bring up the conversation because men would love to talk to you about it. They're just so afraid of saying the wrong thing, especially now when you're like, I don't want to be like offensive or like make you feel bad or, you know, you're like, am I in the wrong, like if I say the wrong thing and what is it? So I think to really just take the first step and, and, and be able to talk about it. Um, I think that's really important about like what you want because a man's just trying sitting there going like, is, is she liking this? Is this okay? So yeah, just like help them out, you know? And I think men too, I think the thing is to basically help women feel more comfortable like talking about it, maybe bringing it up not in the bedroom because that's maybe where she feels like really vulnerable. Women feel terrible about their bodies like all the time. And so I think um, helping people feel okay about themselves is, is important. Just, I think compliments are good. Um, I think during the act being, comfortable saying those things. I mean, I think I find people just so, um, so afraid to show themselves, I think during, like, am I gonna look okay or something like. How is that, you know, it's an interesting you brought up. I wanna, I wanna cover two things as, as the movie ends here that I think would be great. One, I wanna talk about your book after this, but, but yeah, real yeah. quick, is, does the ego of a man have no bounds? Whereas women worry about their bodies <laughs> and men. I mean, Louis C.K., not the most attractive man in the world, right? Yeah, yeah. Using his power and basically saying, hey, let me just jerk off in front of you. Yeah. One, not an attractive position. Two, not an attractive man. Three, no. not an attractive act. So yeah. we, got, we got three unattractive things happening. And he's like, yeah. I'm okay with this. Yeah. And I wonder... As, as, a, as, a, as a woman, purely, and then two, you know, um, a, a, as a woman who, who navigates the water, right, of being seen attractive by men. Yeah. But not being attracted to men. What would you say to put our egos in check? um because <laughs> there's a lot you could right i mean this is yeah, like the yeah. softest, biggest ball to hit but the way you articulated the last statement was so beautiful i just wonder 
yeah. Um, I mean, I think, and it just oh no, such deep insight into this. I actually, because my queerness kind of extends to I'm just more open to different genders, and so I've dated different genders during my life, including some trans folks. And I didn't end up marrying a cis dude, which is so weird. So I definitely have a lot of insight because I'm like, hmm, I've seen people on all sides and I can kind of tell you what I got. Um, so the ego thing is that no one really wants to see your penis. Yeah, I don't know, that's a, don't send dick pics. No, I'm with you, I'm, I'm 100%, <laughs> no, I, I agree. That's on your, it's not that exciting, it's not that. I mean, I guess some people might like it, but. Um, no one sends pictures of wrenches for a reason. They, yeah. they have a function, they're not attractive. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe someone wants to see it. Maybe just to see. It. I don't know. Maybe some people like that. Um, but I think it's um, yeah. And if someone's dealing with it, it's just because they're because they might just like you and just try to look past it. <laughs> so I guess I would say you're not as good. You know what? Like, um, it's amazing that men have such confidence that like they feel okay. Like there was a study, Natalie Gier in the book Woman did she talks about how um you know it's not that women like older men they actually empirically don't like balding hair balding it, baldness isn't necessarily like it's not you put someone as someone with hair and without hair with hair is more attractive to women it's not that like they like your graying bald head it's just that your ego is no, does not no longer fits into a stadium anymore so they will deal with your graying hair because you have less of an ego and that is why women are often attracted to younger older men older I, men. I, I like the older guy that's like my ego's not that big but on tuesdays at two o'clock i pull my nose hairs so i don't yeah, care yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like rain man like older men are like rain man right they were like yeah i, I, I rake the lawn on tuesdays at noon i just do <laughs> so he's like great fucking rake the lawn on tuesdays at noon i don't yeah. want to bust up that schedule psycho yeah, totally. And I think, like, I couldn't, I was dating mostly women for my life. And then um, when men in their 40s were attractive to me, like, more am I reachable, like, all right, I think I could do that. That is when I would date men, because I could not date them younger. Because their egos, the testosterone needs to dip. I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't handle it. <laughs> I'm not going to deal with your shit. And I guess it's like the. And this is debatable, but I do find like men in their 40s are more of certain types are more are not as so far over to one side and more towards the more neutral ground. Yeah. Not everyone, but just some, some might say. Yes. Some, the smart ones. They get, yes. they, get, they get a little more neutral. We get a little less aggressive. Like, and a little less intimidated. If you know who you are, you're not intimidated by strong women. No, I love them. I, I try yeah. to interview as many strong women as I can because of a daughter. Yes. I think yes. the best around her. I remember my daughter comes home. So we have this, we've got these friends. Ladies, Irish cop. Married Irish cop. She is one scotch away or whiskey away from a half hour comedy or a one hour drama, right? I mean, so she's like FOB from Ireland, red hair. The sun comes up, gets a sunburn, Irish cop. And my daughter comes home and she goes, guess what? I'm marrying my best friend. And that's a girl. 
And I'm so excited. I'm just like, great. So I call her best friend's mom. I'm like, guess what? We've eliminated dicks out of the picture. I'm so excited. There's no more dicks. Oh, yeah. These two are getting married. I couldn't be happier. Yes. We're going to be a family. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, like I tell, like, I have, a, I have a, my friend's daughter. I'm really close, but she's 12. I'm like, oh, God, please, please, like, women, please, like, ladies. Because it's just like, you don't want to deal with the, the ego until they're over 40. Again, you do it when you're 40. <laughs> fall in love with ladies i don't and i don't care either way but it's the same reason like i don't spank my daughter yeah i don't spank her because i can't say i'm doing this because i love you and then a guy hits her and says i'm doing this because i love you yeah and she leaves she goes back and she's like oh well my dad did the same thing it's okay yeah, yeah, nope. yeah, yeah. i yeah. got i will raise my voice i will get frustrated i will tell her afterwards that was bad parenting mm -hmm. i will I will do it all. And people, some, I have one friend, he's like, no, you're a little too open with your daughter. You don't have to tell her you're a bad parent. I'm like, this is the only relationship she didn't choose. Mm. You didn't choose to be my daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't get that luxury to be like, mm, I'd like a different guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. She got stuck with me and I make mistakes. But if I don't tell her I made a mistake, then I'm worse. Yeah. And I've set her up for failure. I haven't been a good dad. If, 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 I, if I play off as I'm perfect or I'm better or, yeah. you know, I just haven't. So uh, with that great intro, <laughs> you like this? I asked the longest questions to where people are like, I don't remember what you said, so I'm just going to say <laughs> uh, I ramble. I make hard left turns and I do great intros. Tell us about your book. Okay. Please. Is called Inside Melania, What I Know About Melania Trump by Impersonating Her. And in it, I, it's a collection of funny rants and humorous essays. And so I'm doing things like I rewrote The Christmas Carol for Melania, Parable About Her. I, I rewrote a lot of the Grimm's fairy tales, Andrew Dice Clay poems I rewrote as Melania. And also I'm um, just did zany off the wall things like thought about um, what Melania would say if she was speaking in tongues. So, and then there's just oh, ways. how she would plead to Jesus just to make it yeah, all. Yeah, right. she would just be like, thought of her in an airplane in the Air Force One bathroom, just like speaking in tongues and like Havanka's knocking on the door and she's like, <laughs> like actually telling the truth when she speaks in tongues. You no, know, you're not supposed to shit in this plane. Yeah, yeah. You're not supposed to knock, knock, knock. Don't she be pooping in here. If she hears that I'm speaking in phones in tongues, she will do me one better and start learning German. So that's what she said to speak French or no. Mm -hmm. um, but so, um, and then it's just me talking about what I actually learned about her and, and going through like how, how she walks. I have a diagram which goes over like different, you know, her face, her, like her eyes, her neck, her back, how she holds herself, how she walks. So you get to really learn the inside mind of, of Melania. Like no one knows what she's saying, but I'm, I'm telling you what I know about her from just like inhabiting her. As a, as a person on the outside looking in and someone who studied her, two questions for you on Melania Trump. One, is she the first, is she the worst first lady we've had? Mm -hmm. Two, what's wrong with her eyes? Okay. <laughs> I definitely have to, okay. One, I'm not sure. I mean, what's worse first lady? You know, were you really supposed to do anything? It's just a made-up job, and it's not paid, so I don't really... There's been a lot of first ladies that have, I mean, Michelle Obama, 
Michelle Obama tried her hardest at the very, she did so many great things. And then the one thing she did, the one mistake Michelle Obama made, she goes, we should eat healthier. And people are like, you know what? You need to know your place in America. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. She, she was kind of born for that job because she was doing like community outreach and programming kind of stuff before. Yeah. So, you know, I thought she was one of the best first ladies we ever had just because she literally was professionally prepared for it. And Melania wasn't. And, and so, I mean, I don't know. I've never studied first ladies, so I can't like tell you definitively knowing like in the history of first ladies, because I bet you some of the first ones didn't do much. And so, you know, I bet you Martha wasn't exactly like, you know, doing programs for kids. She probably was just going to the dinners. So I'm not, I, I, to be fair, I would love, you know, of modern times, she's a joke. She's a joke. Be best is a bunch of photo shoots with four people. Give me a break. She takes, she says she has like um, round tables. It's just her holding, hold like printouts with a picture. Give me a break. <laughs> Some weird so, fucking tea party. He's yeah. Like, give me a break. And we solved the problem. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, whatever. And, and so she just, I want to go back to Trump Tower and sit by pool. No more first lady job. So she's over this shit. So, but. Um, Do you think she wants him to lose? Yes, she just wants to go. She's done. She, she's bored. She just she thinks he's a genius. She thinks he's wonderful, but she she's just as selfish as he is. So she just wants for herself wants to be done with this. Yeah. Wow. And what's wrong with her eyes? It's also in my book, Inside Melania. Yes. Uh, I think Some she's squint, squinting uh, because of excessive. Uh, a plastic surgeon told me this because of her excessive Botox. So it kind of has moved her, her um, eyebrow. The Trump brand. So when she puckers, that brings her eyes even further down and like closes them like that. Yeah. I mean, excessive Botox, great band name for a middle-aged housewife rock band. If they're a That's punk amazing. band. Excessive Botox, I'd love that. Or even just a bunch of like, um, a bunch of like really schlubby guys like if they're all like really like walrus kind of overweight that would be they uh, called excessive botox just all the miami beach guys who just only go after <laughs> we're just big pot bellies they're shoving salami in their mouth I love it. they call themselves excessive baby. botox baby get over here come see me and they're like you're fucking disgusting i've got a i live next to you know i did oh well, god damn it i can't believe yeah, it yeah 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 Get that group, excessive Botox. Get after it. Yeah, that's, that needs to happen. Lauren, real quick, uh, it's a holiday weekend, so uh, I greatly appreciate the time. Uh, once again, let's tell everyone where they can find you. Tell them about your yes. book, where you can buy the book. Yes. Uh, okay. You can find everything, everything at laurenlogi.com. That's Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N, and then Logi, L-O-G-I.com. And if you want to follow me on social media, again, it's Lauren Logie. And, it, you know, more direct, I'm just going to send you there because that's the best place. I have the book on my website, so you can buy it direct. Um, my publisher has it at insidemelania.com if you want to go there. Um, so, and, and my website it also has links there. So it's kind of like the one-stop shop of everything. If you want to know where everything is, like that's a podcast, my book, it's all at laurenlogie.com. And join my tribe. Join my tribe. Join the, join the crew, man.
Join the tribe. I love it. We will, um, we will definitely be, uh, uh, we'll, we'll put those links in there, not only in the description, but in the, um, in the posts and, uh, and tag you on those. One thing, uh, I like to close, to close out with two things here. Um, we will make money and lose money. We'll buy a banana, it will go bad, or an avocado, and it will go bad. And we'll guess what? We'll go buy another one. It's pretty simple. Mm -hmm. But time is the one thing we don't get back. So yeah. the fact that you took this time to spend hearing my ridiculous statements and questions, <laughs> and you were patient enough to, uh, to, uh, to walk me through this and, and give some very insightful commentary and insights, um, not only just on the movie, but more importantly, on where we're at, uh, shows depth and, uh, and insight into not only your comedy, but also, um, you know, uh, your, um, your generosity with your time. So thank, well, thank you very you. much. I appreciate that very much. Thank you for being open and honest about what you're thinking. It's really refreshing. Yeah, that's the only thing I know how to do. Uh, <laughs> I wish I was different. I'm just, I'm the, I'm the broken person who's like, I'm okay being wrong. I do not mind being told where I'm wrong. So if I can be a better person, that makes me a better dad. It makes me a better husband. It makes me a better friend. Yeah. So I am, I'm, always, I'm, always, I'm always here to, uh, to, to learn and, and try to be better. And now is the best time of the podcast for a lot of people. Uh, the second most amount of emails come from this. Most of them are that my daughter is going to sue me later in life, which is exciting. Uh -huh. Very exciting. Now is the time where she gets to sing about the first time she took a poop by herself. She came out on the patio. She sat down across from me. She looked me in the eyes and she goes, Dad, I did a poop. <laughs> I did a poop. High five. <laughs> I did a poop. <laughs> I love it. And I'm just like, there you go, man. I mean, if you can't, you know, um, people get sometimes frustrated uh, that it's not a quote along, it's not mystery science theater, this podcast. But I would say this, uh, the intelligence and the insight and the beauty in, um, in the nuances of what we tackled in this podcast, that I would say 90% of people would have an argument or a fight on or would figure out some, you know, all the bullshit that happens, right? And this is what I love about this. Um, and I'll be subscribing and listening to your podcast. This is what I, people who see the world or live in the world differently than you do, to have a conversation and to learn and to uh, create insight. And then also for someone as talented as you then to bring humor into that and everything else. God damn it, we need more of it. We just yeah, do. I think so. I we need more so. of it. Yeah. You know, so I encourage people to, um, to take this more as talking points of, hey, you don't, you don't have to go in knowing, mm -hmm. but you should go out understanding. You don't have to go that. in trying to change minds, but you, you should go in and leave understanding minds. There you go. Right? And finally, I will say this, if you're ever in Austin, Texas, please let me know. Come see you perform. So please, please. Yeah, I'd love to meet. Yeah, absolutely. I will. I'm going to hang up and put you on. I have a reach out list for each place. So yes, let me know. And if there's anything I can ever do uh, to help promote or share anything, 
share it with me. I will put it on the podcast. I'll put it on my social channels. I'll do whatever I can to help you. Thank you. Well, right now, you know, I have hopefully not a long time until Melania is irrelevant. Um, <laughs> you, you, hey, selfishly, you would like four more years of Melania. Yeah, I wouldn't actually. I'm so <laughs> Please help. Please help me. Um, Hold on. What do we do? Oh, oh, what? I'm not. I'm going to get shot if I don't ask this question. Yes. Who do you do, Kamala's husband, or do you do Biden's wife? Who do you do if Biden and Kamala win? Who? What character you create? Because you did Melania for Trump. Yes. What are you? What are you, are you Joe Kamala, Biden? Are you doing Biden's wife? Are you doing Kamala's husband in some way? Are you doing Kamala in a different way? Um, let's 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 think positively. Let's think positively. Should I do? Should I do um, Jill Biden? It depends if Jill Biden is exciting enough to mock. She might not be. She's just like too much like of a straight up power lady, <laughs> like mock. You know. So it depends if the. you know, what they do is, is so hurtful to others that I feel like I want to try to bring some happiness, light on that. Mm -hmm. um, so it really depends. Or I just love them so much. I fall in love with them and I just want to like do, do them as characters because I just think they're so great. So they have to really hit me in an extreme. And I don't know if either of them will, but maybe. maybe. I, think Kamala, I think Kamala has some running. I mean, I don't think there's a, yeah. I mean, I think Kamala, and I don't mean this in a negative way, right? I really don't. And people get mad when I say this. I don't mean it negatively, please. I really don't. Yeah. She is smart and intelligent and knows how to navigate the political waters. Yeah. Much like a very famous vice president did prior with George W. Bush, which was Dick Cheney. And I'm not saying she's evil like Dick Cheney. I'm saying yeah. she knows the political landscape better and more effectively in her role as AG and everything else that she's done exactly, and done, yeah. in, you know, that she's going to have a lot more power, which is not a bad thing. I'm just saying she's going to have a lot more power yeah. than people give her credit to. And unlike the knuckleheads we have running around, just pointing fingers saying, you do bad and I don't like you. Mm -hmm. You're going to have savviness is going to come back into the white house yeah. and no offense to yeah. Joe. Um, but she is, she's better than Joe. If that makes she, sense. She's a powerhouse. She is. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's such an, would want to be a wonderful person to impersonate because she has like a lot of isms and she has a lot of like mannerisms and she's a character. And I just can't, as a, as a white person, I could never do an Indian black person. No, that makes sense. <laughs> and not in this century. So I think I could do her well and I think I would do her justice. Um, but I don't think I could actually do that. No, but I think you could probably write, depending on how things go, you could give some insights and commentary that you know so well about powerful women and, and what they're doing. With That's them. true. Like, I definitely could give insights just by understanding character and stuff. I mean, there is um, an actor, actually, a comedian that we might work with to do some videos with Melania and Kamala. I, we already do Melania and Elizabeth Warren talking, like Elizabeth calls Melania to try to get, like, information from her. Um, like, hey, mail, mail. <laughs> and I have, we have someone who works on her. Um, so, and someone else would play. I wish I almost, I, I almost wish I did it because she's so fun to do, but I'm, I, I don't do Elizabeth Warren because someone else does her. 
Um, but um, so maybe we'll get someone else to do Kamala. I wish I could. I just can't. So could you do? Uh, you know, geez, I don't know why I'm. I don't know why I'm penning notes all of a sudden. <laughs> but if I could throw out one other that might sure. be possible, Tulsi Gabbard, and have a rabid conspiracy theorist off to the left, just. And not left as far as politics, just off to the left, yeah. off center stage. That's just throwing stuff out like, and by the way, because that yeah. was kind of Tulsi's thing, right? It's like, it was the conspiracy that's why Tulsi was kept out. It was never the fact yeah. that she didn't do great work. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, or, uh, maybe. Or who's maybe. the guy? Again, it has to like hit me really hard. Like if Bogovich, I just yeah. you have to really change your look. You'd have to go to the dollar store and get some really plain clothes. Yeah. Paint, yeah. I, I love, I think she's sharp. I think her dressing is sharp. I think Bobovich's? she's just, Tulsi? Oh, Tulsi's, yeah, I'm talking about, or the other gal, Klobo, is it Klobovich? Oh, Klobuchar, yes. Then I would need to go to Walmart, yes. need to go to Walmart. Klobuchar I could do. Um, Tulsi's got, like, she's very, very, she has the nicest skin in American politics. I write about it in my book, because Melania talks about it. <laughs> She has the best skin. Oh my God. Um, but Klobuchar, yeah, I have to go. Those two ladies who, by, I mean, listen, I'm a, I'm a fan of Tulsi. There's a lot I'm a fan of Tulsi on. I really am. I, I liked a lot of what Tulsi had to say. Um, I think she, uh, she learned, she's young, right? Yeah, she's younger than me, so I'd call her young. She's smarter than me, but she's still younger. I would say the youth shows aggressiveness, and aggressiveness sometimes loses. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I hope she learned from that. But I think she's, I'd want my daughter to know her. I just like, I mean, oh, definitely. I heard she's actually a good person from someone I trust told me she's like, um, a good person. I know she's like, uh, debatable. I don't know enough about her to say one way or the other. Um, but I do think she dresses great. I do think she at least says some things that I agree with. And uh, I think her heart's in the right place. And for sure, I mean, people debate that, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I'm not like a Tulsi hater. Like some people are Tulsi haters. I'm like, no, yeah, I think she's pretty cool. I mean, and I she seems like her. a nice person. Yeah, I respect her. I, I, what she's done across the board, I respect her. All right, I've said one last thing seven times. I'll do it one last time. Okay. In your Melania, you are... You travel the world, you talk to people everywhere, you get to go on stages everywhere, you make people laugh. In my vulnerability, no shield, chest open, here I am. How would Melania rate this interview? Well, I'm right here. Okay, so this is the thing. I, I think one thing is that she doesn't say the thing about how beautiful I am and how wonderful and that I am the best first lady. I would, I say me, you compare me and Martha Washington. Did she have the, did she, was she wearing Prada? Did she have Gautier and Dabana? No, she only the first lady. I have the most expensive wardrobe of any of the first ladies. You know why Donald say, he go make all look the Obama look poor. And I say, okay, you know, Michelle Obama wore something from the Target. Oh, no, I go to target practice when I throw my heels. Yeah. That's all. So listen, I have a, I have the White House. I had converted the top floor to my glam room. It's a beauty complex. Okay, that's the mark I left on the White House. It dedicating to making myself into a better object every day. <laughs> so I give the interview an F. 
Yes. For fashion. Okay. Yes. Well, now my cheeks hurt. I have tears in my eyes from laughter. <laughs> okay, thank you. Lauren, thank you so much for the time. Thank you for everything. I appreciate it. Okay. Uh, you are anytime you want to come on and promote okay, something. Okay, definitely. Thank please you. Please come on. Okay. Thank you so much. Have okay. a wonderful uh, Monday and all that jazz. And yep. uh, once again, email, reach out anytime you want me to plug something. I will thank happily you. do it. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Be good. Have fun. And uh, we'll talk soon. Bye, best. Bye-bye.